0: Back, Tim. How goes the cutting? Oh, it's it's. You know what? I I really hate the fact that I know how to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> the more stuff you know how to do, the more stuff you'll end up doing, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know I'm a pretty good editor, so I am. I'm, edit, I'm editing my movie, mm. and I'm like I'm gonna be one of those guys. You know what I mean? And yeah. and, I, and I have an editor, a guy, an, an Mel Mel Rodriguez. Sure. You know, maybe, sure, we know Mel. Editor. And Mel's going to come in and do the final cut of the movie. But i got to tell you, I like, you stand there, you edit, you, you, you just came in. I'm showing you, yeah. wait, does this work? Am I selling this? Yeah. And, and you're like, yeah, 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 that's working, that's working. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's like being back in, uh, you know. <laughs>
1: well, my last, yeah. uh, my last week and, and a few days has been all about uh, kindergarten again. Mm. There she is. Oh, my God. She's yeah. just
0: way too tall for
1: kindergarten. See, now this is what's kind of awesome is I was afraid, I don't want her to be the freak tall girl in class, like, you know. Because when I I was in kindergarten, there was this one kid in the class who was at least a foot taller than everyone else. I just looked at my kindergarten class photo again, uh, like, a few months ago, and you honestly, you think he's a teacher, until you realize, holy cow, that's a five-year-old, and he's like, he's like six foot I mean, he's like five foot, yeah. basically, but, but he was, he's a big dude, right? Yeah. He's just a big kid. I'm sure he's, you know, playing volleyball somewhere now or something, or retired, who knows. But, but yeah, I didn't want her to be like the freak tall girl. Oh, no, 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 no. There, there are two other kids in the class both girls, uh, who are taller. Oh, good, 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 so good. So it's, like, uh, it's like the three Amazon women of the <laughs> kindergarten class, and uh, they're, all, they're all just so sweet. It, it is it,
0: nice if you don't have anything that particularly makes you stand out. Oh, yeah. If you do, though, I will recommend this as an old elementary school teacher, Yeah, uh, uh, and, this is, and this is what I used to do. Uh, I would take that thing that made that kid stand out, yeah. and I would make that the coolest thing on the planet.
1: You know, I, I, and I will say this, uh, her teacher is amazing. What has changed since I was in kindergarten, at least was, uh, apparently, is that there's a lot of homework for the adults. Yeah. Like, we have a lot of stuff to keep track of. Mm. There's this thing on Mondays and Wednesdays. She's got to wear the shoes for P.E. And then, then there's this pouch. And then there's this envelope and this thing to do. And there's there's a lot of stuff to so keep track of. So
0: kindergarten's not about, you know, the cookies, the milk, take a nap. And, no. and, mm-hmm. not, not anymore. No, mm. no, no. no. There, are, there are books to read that she reads to us and that we read to her. There, there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Kindergarten. Yeah, the, uh, you should tell the folks. Uh, a hero, it's literally in the same is it school or she, classroom she
1: is uh, she is in uh, the classroom adjacent to what okay. was my kindergarten classroom <laughs> the T- the tk classroom it was my is my old kindergarten classroom the one that she's in they they share a wa- they share a wall and, and doors uh-huh. so they they're kind of interactive they uh-huh. they are adjacent classrooms but yeah she is literally right next door to where i was in kindergarten that is just you know it doesn't yeah. tell me america doesn't It's fantastic. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So uh, that being said, um, lots of just wild and nutty stuff has been happening in the the movie world. Uh, Movie Pass looks like it's uh, yeah couldn't figure it out. It's 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 in a death death spiral. They are just not able to to sort that out. But the again, as I have said so many times, the silver lining there is that they uh, they made an assumption. And they didn't go far enough. They made an assumption that people really wanted to go to the movies.
0: Which was correct.
1: Which is correct. What they didn't count on was people really, really wanted to go to the movies. Yeah. And Even the dumb ones that cost a lot. That's it. They didn't, uh, they didn't expect that once you bring the price point down to a certain level, that that many people were willing to run away from Netflix and television and cable and VOD and everything else and, and go to the movies. Uh, which is a good thing because what that tells us now, and that's a, that's you know, it's like short selling in, in the stocks, yeah. right? Where you're, you're betting against a thing uh, to sort of send information to the market that something is more valuable than, than that thing. I mean, that's, that's a, a, a lame way of putting it, but it's um, it, what it tells us is that even though this is this company is probably going to go down, everyone else now has this information. Yeah. And this information
0: being, hey, for, for a little bit less, you get a lot more people to the movies. And the, thus, the uh, the various different chains come up with their own models of Movie Pass. Yep. AMC. And all, all, well, I imagine and they, you'll simply just have that all across the country. And I think that that's you know they're going to be the winners at the end of the day because they own the real estate uh, and they can decide ultimately what they want folks to pay uh, to come inside those doors. Uh, and once and once you know, Movie Pass showed them, hey, there's this thing that could be done. There's just no reason for them not to do it. I don't think they'll be as successful because the, I think the natural price point is just a little bit higher than where... Um, the, the price point that made all of those people go to the movies... Yep, that's the actual price point that will send people to the movies. Yes,
1: exactly. When you
0: when when you go up five dollars, you just moved off the price point. The elasticity is not as much as they would like it to be. It, it very true. That's that's it. I mean, we're we're sort of
1: learning now where where these price points are. So um, you know, we'll we'll see where it all goes. Uh, I, I but I'm I'm uh, I'm largely optimistic. So we we have a giveaway today. Uh, which we'll get to a little bit later, which uh, relates to uh, a lot of our fine uh, fine material here, the uh, these classic movies, uh, which we're gonna start off with. and we got some really great cult stuff. So I'm gonna get uh, get cranking away on some of this cult stuff. Uh, it is uh, I think it is it's fascinating to me and and has been for quite some time. How the cult stuff really thrives on uh, on DVD and Blu-ray still. Uh, there's a there's a real market out there for just the fringiest, weirdest stuff, and uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm glad. Uh, now this is not a cult film, but it wants to be a cult film. This is called uh, The Song of Solomon, oh, yeah. and this is from Unearthed Films. Uh, this is just a really great old-fashioned kind of just uh, gore psycho uh culty horror movie. and that's it. And it's the kind of thing that uh that, you know, would have been made in the, the late sixties or you know, it's it like Hills Have Eyes, yeah. uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's that uh that Wes Craven uh John Carpenter kind of uh, Toby uh, uh, Hooper uh, yeah, thing. Toby, right. Yeah. It's in it's in that vein. Um and it's uh, in this case it's uh it's really like taking The Exorcist above and beyond. It's, it's exorcism and gore, and uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. But you know what? It's fine. It, it pushes all those buttons. Genre fans will totally love it. It's called The Song of Solomon, uh, made by Unearthed Films, which I think is a great title, and that's being uh, released on Blu-ray from MVD. And then, Brooke Adams in The Unborn. Man. Yes, the
0: Unborn. I was so nuts about Brooke Adams.
1: This is from 1991. This is kind of on the tail end of the uh, the 80s underground uh, horror explosion, which included things like Reanimator and and a lot of those uh, uh, those, those later John Carpenter and uh, uh, Wes Craven things. Um, the Unborn really kind of continues a genre that began with uh, It's Alive and Rosemary's Baby, right? The yeah. the uh, the evil devil child, the uh, whatever it is. Uh, You know, which is a horrifying thing to think that, you know, something is growing inside you and it's not human. Uh, So anyway, this is uh, it. kind of combines that with the mad scientist thing. And Brooke Adams plays a woman who gets uh, inseminated with uh, some kind of a weird freakish fetus by this uh, psycho doctor. And uh, we all know what happens after that. Uh, What's interesting about this. Is that uh, today, we are recording on the day that I'm headed into Film Week in a moment. Yeah. Uh, there's a film we're doing for Film Week called Cynthia, which is almost exactly this kind of thing, except with really bad prosthetics, and right. it's meant to be a comedy, and it's not funny.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny about Unborn? Oh. Both Kathy Griffin and Lisa Kudrow are in that movie. Are? Th- really? Very young, Kathy Griffin. Well, not that young. Lucy Kudrow was about, See, to, no. was about to make real money on uh, Friends. Around the time she was, uh, now now I got
1: it. Now I got to go watch it again. That's that's kind of that. Now okay, see now you got me. Uh, We've also got a trio from Vinegar Syndrome. Now Vinegar Syndrome does a lot of uh, a lot of great old cult films. That's the whole point. Vinegar Syndrome, of course, the (laughs) name coming from what happens to celluloid if you leave it sitting around too long Mm and starts to decay and smells like vinegar. Uh, But don't put it on food because celluloid is not edible. Anyway, uh, the first one of these is an old film called Shot, which is a, uh, which is kind of a, uh, you know, it, it's like a, I, I, I want to say it's kind of like a black exploitation film without black people. Does that make, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah,
0: it does. Hell okay,
1: yeah. Okay, that's kind of <laughs> what it is. Um but uh, yeah, anyway, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it, it, which is sort of like what the Billy Jack movies are in a sense, yeah. too. right? Yeah.
0: they were 100% black exploitation. Billy Jack was a brother, only not, <laughs> walking around handing out brother justice.
1: There you go. That's it. Uh, so anyway, that's for, for that,
0: Native Americans, mostly, by the way. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So anyway, this is from 1973. And that is exactly what's going on here. Uh, and uh, this was made for $15,000 in Champaign, Illinois, by the way. And oh, uh, boy. Yeah, it's you know, it's got it's got a whole kind of a uh, kind of a, a drug kingpin drug pusher thing going on and uh, and a lot of gunfight. And, uh, you know, some surprisingly good chase scenes and and stunt work in here. Um, totally exploitation, totally 1970s. It was This has hardly ever been seen before. It was, I think, released briefly on VHS uh, under the title Death Shot, which is not as cool as just shot. Mm. Uh, but anyway, they went and found the original 16-millimeter uh, negative, it. and they restored this thing, and it looks terrific, and it's on Blu-ray, and it's called Shot. And just, just check it out. It's just a really great piece of... Uh, of daring, ambitious indie filmmaking on sixteen mm from the uh, the nineteen seventies. Uh, the uh, the other two uh, vinegar syndrome films are a little bit more in the uh, the predictable vein. One is called Wonder Women. Uh, which is, I mean, look at, look at, come on, tell me that's not a classic poster for a 1970s era I exploitation just, the movie?
0: let sister do with that fro, it, it, it,
1: the guns, and, and, and you know, uh, like just barely covering the uh, the cleavage. Yeah, women with guns. Women. One woman has one woman on this cover is wearing nothing except panties with a big old belt buckle, <laughs>
0: which which by the way is a fabulous outfit.
1: That is a fabulous outfit. That also screams 1973. Yeah, so that is just I'm, terrific. This includes. I, I wore that once. Now, Wonder Women is uh, all takes place in Australia, and uh, and and the Philippines. Uh, shot in Australia, I think, set in the Philippines is is the the conceit here. Um, but anyway, this is kind of a you know one of those escaped uh, women in prison slash people on the run movies. There were a lot of those. Uh, and you combine that with all the, again all those kind of black exploitation uh, tropes from the era, get a little bit of martial arts in there, and uh, you're good to go. They also restored this from the thirty five millimeter camera original negative. There's a commentary with the uh, director of Vin- uh, Robert Vincent O'Neill, who came back for this incredibly. And uh, there's a two thousand and seven screening with a and A at the New Beverly Cinema.
0: Nancy Kwan. Yeah. Is in this movie Sid yep. Haig, who would go on to make all kinds of just horror movies, yep. you know, is in this movie. Uh, you know, this is this is you know this, this yeah. is one of the, one of the foundational films of the genre. I it's love gr- it.
1: It's great. It's just classic uh, exploitation filmmaking, 1973
0: style. I was nuts about Nancy Kwan for a long time. Oh, too, for yeah. sure.
1: And then uh, from 1972, Dear Dead Delilah, and uh, this is a uh, this is a really really good kind of uh, cheesy psycho film from 1972 takes place, uh, well, there's a, there's a back story here, which is uh, right before the end of World War II, uh, there was this, this axe murder, and then we flash forward into the 1970s, and the repercussions of that axe murder are obviously in Norman Bates style, having all kinds of uh, reverberations and uh, it, it, it's you know it's got a little bit of that uh, that southern gothic going yeah. on a little bit of that uh, kind of Norman Bates psycho thing going on yeah yeah, uh, with a little female twist I I just think this movie is a whole lot of fun dude and,
0: a- uh, a- a- Agnes Moorhead Agnes sorry, I was just gonna say did you, did you, did you, Agnes Moorhead Will is uh, yep Michael, Michael and Sarah dude, you, Michael and who's Sarah who's married to Barbara Eaton I always we pissed yep. me off about right. that I wanted her go on
1: Michael and Sarah played the best Klingon they ever yeah, had on had, Star yeah, Trek yeah, yeah. yep it's fantastic. I it, love, it, love it. It's terrific. Uh, then we also got brain scan with Edward Furlong and Frank Langella. Uh, brain is a little bit more recent. This is from the uh, the nineties. This is about uh, twenty four years old. Can't believe the nineties. You had Junk that. for that movie. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Brain scan is not bad. Uh, you know, I, I, Edward Furlong was uh, coming right off of Terminator two yeah. and kind of you know working that. And uh, this is not bad. This is. And uh, Frank
0: Langella is never bad. No, no never. such
1: thing. Plays a detective here, and uh, this is all, this is kind of a capitalizing on the early video game hysteria, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a lot of things like The Lawnmower, lawnmower Man from this same period where uh, you go the opposite direction of Tron. Video games are evil and occultish and. Uh, it, and they turn you into psycho killers, and and you all get that sucked kind of
0: stuff. inside them very often. Yeah, but anyway, fun.
1: this is uh, no, this is this is one of those movies, but it's it's perfectly serviceable. Directed by John Flynn, who's who's done a few things, went on to be uh, something of a thing. There's an audio commentary that's brand new with uh, Tara George, who was the assistant to the director, Tara George Flynn now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also an interview with the screenwriter, Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, a whole bunch of other behind-the-scenes things, a lot of new stuff. Shout really uh, kind of went to, the, went to the wall on this, and uh, it's, you know what? It's a cult film, and uh, I didn't think it would be at the time. We've also got Return of the Living Dead Part 2, collector's edition. This is also from Shout. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me how the, the living dead thing just continues to uh, how it, it took on a life of its own and went, in, so to speak, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, went into all these weird tentacles, so to speak. Anyway, uh, look, I mean, it's a pretty standard zombie movie, uh, in the uh, in that vein from the 1980s. Uh, there are sort of 60s zombie movies, 70s zombie movies, 80s, 90s, and then current day zombie movies, yeah. and they're all a little bit different. This is very much an 80s zombie movie. It's not Romero who directed this. It's Ken Weederhorn, who's, who's also quite good. Uh, this is a brand new 2K scan from the Interpositive, so it looks really good. And uh, Suzanne Snyder, who's an actress in it, does new audio commentary. There's also a new commentary with Gary Smart, who uh, is a, an author and an expert on all this Living Dead stuff. So there's a lot of fun stuff here. Uh, again, Shot Factory via Scream Factory, giving the fans a whole lot of stuff to cheer for. And then the last few here, uh, the, uh, boy, this... Here, let me jump into this one. This one's just completely nutty. Uh, The Horror of Party Beach. This is from Severin, and um, (laughs) this is... Severin goes deep, let me just tell you. This is from 1963. Things were really raw in 1963. Mm. So this is really the early, early days of of exploitation. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked about this in Schlock, which we made a million years ago. This thing was... um, uh, made for fifty thousand uh, dollars near Stamford, Connecticut. and the director del Tenney, was a was a real Schlockmeister back in the day. And it, this was billed as the first horror monster musical. Now, here's what's going on. <laughs> Any movie with beach in the title was sure to get kids to the drive-in. Mm-hmm. So that's why you got Bikini Beach and Beach Party and everything beach and beach and beach. beach. beach party Bingo. And yeah. if you had horror in the party, you were sure to get kids because then the girls would get scared and they'd cuddle up to the guy. And next thing you know, you're missing the movie, but you're making out the yeah, Impala. That's your element. So, Those are your so elements. That's
0: it. So <laughs> And there were drive-ins back then, folks. There
1: were drive-ins. That was the whole thing. Get the kids it's the drive-ins so basically 1963 Delteny decided i'm gonna one-up uh corman and Arkoff and all those guys and i'm just gonna merge two genres we're just gonna have monsters on the beach that's it we're done <laughs> done deal do we have a story not really not really but we'll figure it out so i love the uh, i love the tagline here it is uh first of all I mean, look at the picture it's a it's a totally <laughs> hokey monster biting a woman in a bikini it's ridiculous the tagline is, weird atomic beasts who live off human blood. I don't even know what that means.
0: <laughs> if they're atomic, what do they live I don't. I don't
1: know what that means. Uh, but anyway, a lot of extras here, including a, uh, an archival interview with Del Tenney and a retrospective documentary, and it's all really, really fun, and this movie's just hilarious. Uh, let's see, I'm going to save that till last. From the Agatha collection, that's not Agfa the film, uh, the film stock, that is AGFA, the American Genre Film Archive, is Renee Harmon's Lady Street Fighter. No, uh, yes. Yeah, right? Uh, you know, here's the thing about exploitation films. This is from 1977. And I said this and many And there have been t- so many films called Lady Street Fighter. you got to be real specific. Really. I, I, and I was just, you, know, you and I have talked about this, too. The, the origin of the female action hero, uh, that really co- exists in in two stages. Mm-hmm. It begins in Hong Kong in mm-hmm. the 1960s with a lot of martial arts movies where they were unafraid to let women just kick ass, which yeah. is part of the whole uh, the, the, the literary tradition. And then here in Hollywood, it starts with black exploitation. Absolutely, there are no women kicking ass until Pam Greer and and all the rest of them I mean, just go go go
0: nuts. And as I did, Pam Greer and Jean Bell and, uh, yep. and and as I as I point out very often, Pam Greer uh, at the same time that Steve McQueen was an above the title yep. badass, uh, uh, was, was Pam Greer was too. Uh, Pam Greer did everything Steve McQueen did in a movie mm-hmm. in the 1970s with a gun and with a baseball bat. She, you know, she, she, she would have to deal with the depretudes of the day, and there were yep. always issues around race and gender. But at the end of the movie, it was always Pam standing tall with that shotgun in her hand, yep. uh, being the badass, uh, like on those boxes. Yeah, the black ex- in, in black exploitation, that's very odd uh, that the Me Too movement happened with yep. women in black exploitation films 45 years ago. Well, Renee uh, Harmon really needs to to
1: get a get a little bit of salute too, because she kind of took a page from what was happening in black exploitation films, and she be, kind of became one of the early non-black, one of the first white women mm-hmm. to actually become an action hero in an in an exploitation film, in an independent film. Uh, she produced this, she wrote it, uh, and she stars in it. And uh, she's, you know, she, she does martial arts and she's out, you know, getting, trying to get revenge for the death of her twin sister. And uh, it's, it's uh, it, you know what, it's just, you gotta, you got to tip your hat to her. And I'm glad that this is out because now people can rediscover Renee Harmon, who mm-hmm. is a significant figure. She's an important figure and really worth rediscovering. That,
0: that's the kind of film, when we talk about remakes and whatnot, last week on the show, uh, uh, Papillon. Uh, the uh, Oh, uh, Papillon, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which was a terrible mistake. Yeah. Uh, just a terrible movie. Just, just all kind of ter- First of all, what the hell are you doing? There's a wonderful movie. I am just know. talking about Steve McQueen. Dustin yeah. what, what you did? So that movie's fine. <laughs> Number one. Number two, why are you English people making this French movie, this I French know. story? The know? French have
1: never made that have story. Made-
0: and, and by the way, you, you, this is just all wrong. That yeah, is no. not Steve McQueen. And I like Ronnie Malik, you know, uh, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Robot or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Dustin Hoffman. No. You people aren't even in the game here. Uh, we're talking about uh, we're talking about Trumbo's script. Yeah, uh, Lorenzo Simple Junior. I and think wrote it with with Dalton right. Trumbo. I think uh, so. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, stop it, people. Just stop. Yeah. Get, yeah. get the hell away from the movie. Yeah. That, on the other hand, <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the lady Street Fighter. Yeah. Do that. Totally, I agree. Uh,
1: the last couple of exploitation films here, and then we should we should jump into some TV, probably. Okay. Uh, Grindhouse double feature from cult film director S.F. Brownrigg. Does that mean anything to you? Mm. Probably not. So just know this. Uh, these films are both famous, and they're famous because they have great titles. Now, Arkoff, when we made Schlock, told us, he said, we didn't have plots, we didn't have scripts, we had posters and we had titles. Yeah. And then you filled in the rest after you sold it based on the poster and the title. These are great titles. And this is why S.F. Brownrigg is a serious uh, exploitation maven. The first one is "Don't look in the basement." (laughs) Now, what's gonna happen? And the other one is they're like, "Well, that worked. Let's do another one." And the next one is "Don't open the door." (laughs) Right? Oh, it's just genius! It's it's brilliant! It's brilliant! I mean, if you're honestly, seriously, how do you how does that not you know? That's just
0: Absolutely amazing. And, the, and, the, and you know, frankly, for for that film, it's, it's not a, you. All you got to do is take him you know, for the poster. It's a picture of a door it's <laughs> with its clothes. It's true. It, you know, it's just it's just brilliant. Uh, you,
1: you, you have this title. Don't look in the basement. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I got to see that movie. Yeah. I want to see what's in the basement. Why? Yeah, why? I told you, don't look in the basement. <laughs> I know. But you know, you tell me to do something or not to do something. I'm going to do oh, it. Okay. And then no. Now that you've looked in the basement, don't open that door. <laughs> Don't open the other door. <laughs> Followed by, I
0: told you, stop opening <laughs> doors.
1: Could go, we could go on for years with it.
0: Yeah, those guys built houses in Beverly Hills. Don't open the window. Oh my God. Don't open the skylight. Eventually,
1: <laughs> eventually it come, don't go in the doghouse. <laughs> the dog is in the doghouse. <laughs> uh, and then oh. lastly, Uh, If you want to talk about cult films and exploitation films, you you just cannot uh, do it without talking about William Castle. Yeah, Uh, that's the man. The Tingler is now on Blu-ray, and uh, that's thanks to Shout Factory slash Scream Factory once again. Uh, And this is just absolutely brilliant. Now, by the way, uh, important to point out, William Castle made movies for Columbia. These were studio movies. These were not independent films He had budgets, but he made basically B-movies. He made the other movies. He had his own little kind of fringe thing going, so it was sort of like a a specialty division at Columbia. Uh, Vincent Price is in this along with Daryl Hickman and uh, Philip Coolidge and a whole bunch of other really, really cool people from the era. Vincent Price has just never been better. Uh, And it's funny, too, you know... Let me d- uh, just digress for a moment. So a few days ago, it was uh, what would have been the 60th uh, birthday of Michael Jackson. Yes. It would have been Michael Jackson's 60th birthday, and I listened to XM radio in the car uh, because there are no commercials, and uh XM Channel Eight, which is 80s music, yeah, was playing, and every every other hour, every second hour, they were playing a full hour of nonstop Michael Jackson. So it was pretty much Michael Jackson all day, every uh, the, the whole day, and I was driving around that day, and and. Uh, I must have heard Thriller five or six times. Uh. <laughs> Every time I got back in the car, Thriller was on. 1984. That, and that was so revolutionary. I was, a, I was an usher at the Man's National Theater, now torn down, when we got word that the new Michael Jackson video was going to debut at the theater. And we, we, you know, we're all into MTV, right? Yeah. We're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, because that and hadn't like, happened before. They're like, no, 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 yeah they they're gonna we're gonna be showing it on on the front of uh, you know whatever it was indiana jones the temple of doom whatever we had playing at the time might have been brain brainstorm, brainstorm i don't remember what it was uh but i remember it's like really so because you know fridays we got all the new trailers then you pop the trailers in the head of the movie it's like no no we're gonna get the trailers but we're also getting thriller we're like why are we putting a music video oh no 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 it's not just a music video yeah. John Landis, Landis directed it. We're like, really? Yeah, it's like a little movie. It's like 10 minutes long. We're like, 10 minutes long. <laughs> and it was, four, what was it, $4 million oh, to yeah, make it it something crazy? Thing. And uh, we're like, oh, okay. And I so remember the Wednesday that it arrived. And they popped it up there for a test, and this was after hours. This is like, you know, 1130 at night, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, 10 o'clock, the We didn't have a 10 o'clock movie, I don't think, during the weekdays. So uh, whatever it was, it was after hours. Everybody was gone, and the projectionist is going to test it. And there we were all. We were just the staff of the theater sitting there. We're like, we got to see this. What's going on? And they put it up there. And damn, if that wasn't just the coolest thing I'd yeah. ever seen, it was just pushing the envelope yeah. musically, visually, the dance, the makeup, uh, and Vincent Price, Vincent what a Price. great, you know. I just, I got, I just, I, I had to go there. Vincent Price, such an icon. Michael Jackson did an amazing thing, and that still is a, that's a milestone in music video making that has yet to, it'll never be surpassed.
0: Ola Ray, it's, it's unique. The extraordinary Ola the black actress who was in yes. that movie that uh, yeah. pretty much everybody was in love with. Yeah. And there were there, it was controversial at the time. Do you it remember? Uh, the, I do. The sort of underlying, sort of you yeah. know thing. And Michael was forced to leave. The Jehovah's Witnesses was he? Yes, he was because of that movie. He would he would not renounce it. He said that there was nothing demonic about it because you know with the, with yeah, they, yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it was just all in good fun. And they said, "No, you're going to have to denounce that." He wouldn't do it, and he stopped being a wow. practicing Jehovah's Witness. I did not Witness. know that was
1: the that was the threshold. Yep. Wow, no kidding. Well, anyway, <laughs> coming back from that, Vincent Price in The Tingler, which is is one of the films that uh, William Castle did. Uh, he 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 used percepto uh, this is all (laughs) this is all explained on the uh, on on, on the in the extras here Uh, you know what percepto was they talked to Barry Laurie who was a publicist and there's an audio commentary with Steve Haberman who's a a film historian about percepto and how castle came up with these gimmicks to market the movies and this is anyway The Tingler is one of the all-time great William Castle movies you gotta see it it's on Blu-ray from Scream Factory it's
0: fantastic Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Love Mr. William Castle, who, who also uh, uh, produced a number of actually big films, too. I, yeah, if he I, if did. I'm not nuts, is William Castle one of the producers of Rosemary's Baby? Ooh, uh, might or, have might be, his, might be his son. Might have been. I'd have to look that up. Like, it up. Yeah, something yeah, like he, that, yeah, yeah. You know, Slockmeister, but not.
1: No, but just,
0: you know what, if you're a producer, you're a producer. Yeah. A
1: solid producer will be a solid producer. I mean, Roger Corman did some legit films, too. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, you, you produce what you want to produce. It's not like, I mean, look, if you can put a movie together, you can put together a, a schlocky, low-budget horror film, or you can put together a $150 million epic. Yeah. You, you can put you, a movie together. You make the movies for the audience yeah. that you're making yeah, you them
0: for at the budget that That's they're it. going for. little TV here? Yep, let's do it. Supernatural. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Supernatural. I, I just, I always have been. Sherman turned me on to this show. I thought it was kind of good. Goofy, Uh, we have here the complete thirteenth season, over three hours worth of bonus features, uh, and uh, including uh, some really, really goofy stuff with these guys. I I have really just come to thoroughly enjoy enjoy the show, which has been on since two thousand and five. By the way. Sometimes when you hit it, you just really hit it. Man, when you get a show that sort of like uh, catches an audience and can maintain uh, a sort of engaging dynamic uh, for that long, you have really done something amazing. Anyway, all kinds of special features on this thing, including five all-new featurettes uh, for introductions to various different seasons, uh, two different audio commentaries, uh, uh, some, some uh, um, unaired scenes, which are probably a little bit raw. Uh, so you want to check that out. And a gag reel, Supernatural. The 13th season, got to watch some of those again. And that's the other thing about Supernatural. Yeah. I can watch them over and over again. Yeah. Conversely, The Big Bang Theory. Which is going off the air now, Which right? is going it's off the air final season, now. yeah. I'll be honest with you. Never a big man guy. No, I
1: mean neither. Me neither. No, never, no. never,
0: never, never watched Chuck, the show that much. You
1: know much. Chuck Lorre, who's a really interesting guy. You know Chuck Lorre has had quite a quite a career. He was one of the original Roseanne writers, and then uh, he went on to do Two and a Half Men. Yeah, and uh, and then Big Bang Theory surpassed even the success of Two and a Half Men. The Guy's super rich, really prolific, very smart. One of the last three camera guys. Really, who's really. If you think about it, TV comedy. Yeah, are yeah, no three, longer, th-
0: yeah. Situation well, comedy, 3D camera. Yeah, you
1: know we went from, and it's really interesting because you went from this is this is the weird kind of bounce back in TV, right? It's everything started with three camera mm-hmm. in the nineteen fifties. I love Lucy and all that, and then in the nineteen sixty, which Desi then,
0: figured out, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yes,
1: exactly, yeah. and and the Honeymooners, yeah. and you know, there, which was like two camera. Honeymoon is most of the time is one camera. But, um, you know, the show's shot in a a studio. And then in the 60s, you went to the single camera Mm -hmm. comedies, Hogan's Heroes and, you know, Green Acres Mm -hmm. and Gilligan's Island. Little movies, basically. Yeah, little movies. You know, Bewitched, I mean, No audience. Shot in the world. Uh, uh, Gilligan's uh, Island. Laugh tracks, right? All that stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, Brady, Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah. And then in the seventies, we moved back to three camera again, mm-hmm. right? Rhoda. Miller, uh, Roeder. Uh, 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 yeah, 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 all of yeah, the, the family, Jefferson's, yeah. uh, you know, uh, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Three's company, all that's all they, that. All that Norman, uh, uh, Norman Lear? It's a lot yeah, of Norman, Norman Lear, Lear a Norman. lot of Norman Lear. And, and, but you know, we're really, really in there. And we, and that stays that way into the eighties. We get, you know, the Cosby show and all, it is just on and on and on and mm. cheers mm-hmm. and taxi. And and we're still there in the 90s, Friends, and and, and all this Chuck Lorre stuff, and then suddenly everything shifts again back to single camera. Yeah, and we're back to you know American Family, I mean, Arrested Development, Arrested I mean, Development, right? Level, though, yeah, yeah, and then it goes, you know, The Office, right? Yeah. It, then now we're now we're really deep into that single camera, and there isn't a lot of three camera left.
0: No, that's very Chuck Lorre.
1: Chuck Lorre is one of the last dedicated three
0: camera guys. Yeah, I just find that interesting. Uh, and this is the 11th uh, the 11th season, like you said, it's leaving yeah. the, uh, this year. We've you know grown up with these guys. Funny. Uh, although across the arc of the show, because you know, start watching these show, these guys are young college, sure. whatever. So yep. they're supposed to be eighteen, nineteen, yeah. maybe. They have grandchildren, uh, all that kind of. <laughs> they're, 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 they're like they're like thirty five years old, yeah. and and not for nothing. i uh, uh, the the one kid who was on, um, he was a, he was he came over from Roseanne That's years right. and years and years ago. Yeah. I mean, really, r- r- racked it up with this show. All kinds of special features on this eleventh season, The Big Bang Theory. Pick it up. Uh, the fifth season of The Goldbergs. Um, Again, a show, uh, one of those ABC shows that I really, really... and, And the thing of it is, I know that had this show been on in the 80s, which is when it's set... Yeah, I would have watched it because it would have been made by David Gary Goldberg, whose yep, family right. it's more or less about, yeah. right? Yep. And get, who, of course, had uh, family ties, right? Uh, you know, the shows you just mentioned, right? Yeah. So yeah. basically, this is a show about a guy who grew up to make television, about his own family growing up, yeah. up before he grew up to make television. You know, and it's 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 really a sweet show. I don't know why I never watched it. It was something about it that was. A little too meta for me.
1: Yeah. I think. Yeah.
0: I'm like, you know what? I think I'll just watch the Gary David Goldberg show. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I'll do. Yeah. Uh, I uh, fifth complete season here.
1: Uh, the eighth season of Hawaii Five O, which blows my mind. Let yeah. me just point this out. Yeah. The me original too. Hawaii Five O, which is a great show, yeah. which we've talked about here, which was an edgy show. Yeah. That had, you know, that had Jack Lord and that music. And it had, you know, it had one of the first really multi-ethnic casts and those great Hawaiian environments. Yeah. And, and it was just, it was well-written. It was violent. It was cool. It was hip. That thing ran for 12 seasons. And everybody just thought, wow, that's a really good run, man. Yeah. The new Hawaii Five O with its, you know, generic CBS-looking model, no bunch of nobodies. Yeah. Just all uninteresting and, and interchangeable. Uh, like seriously, I don't. I don't. Are, are any of these the original people who were on mm. it? They look the same. No, they, they could yeah, be different people. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Mean, yeah. So, uh,
0: this uh, isn't. Uh, Scott, uh, what's Jimmy Kahn's boy? Yeah, that's yeah, 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 Scott. It's the only one I ever, ever recognized Kong, because, because he looks Kong. like his dad. Yeah. but honestly. Eight, eight seasons out of this
1: reboot that isn't even a shadow of the original? That's mm. weird to me.
0: And it's the reason why we see Magnum PI coming yeah. back. And it's the reason yeah. why we saw you know, uh, that MacGyver come back. It's because,
1: you know. It's not right that Magnum and Hawaii Five O are both on at the same time. Because the original Magnum PI came on two years after Hawaii Five O left, left, the the left the air. Because, yeah. because I, I, I needed a fix. Yeah. I, like, I was missing my Hawaii show. It's like I need the Hawaii show. I need the Hawaii show, and Magnum came on. I'm like, I, I'm good. We're back I'm good. I'm back to the islands. Yeah. Anyway, eighth season of Hawaii Five O. Uh, you know, like they, they look. It's I don't care for the show. It's got a decent cast. It's got decent production value. You just can't
0: help but compare it to the original. That word generic. Um, it just is, feels is generic. Just, you know, and uh, and I, and I have a, I have a I have a very sinking stum- uh, feeling in my stomach regarding that new Magnum PI coming along. And yeah, I like yeah. Jay Hernandez by the I way. Do big fan. I do too. I do too. But no. Well, anyway,
1: if they'd called it something other than Hawaii Five-0, I might be a little bit more forgiving. But yeah. they just they, the bar is very high for using that title. And so in any case, uh, continues to be an anchor of uh, the CBS lineup. And uh, there is about an hour of behind-the-scenes stuff, mostly uh, called from EPK and promotional
0: materials, and a gag reel. Uh, some Rowan and Martins laugh in the complete sixth there season, 24 episodes on six DVDs. Uh, it, and this is the sixth and final season of Laugh-In, so, you know, um, when they say goodnight, Dick, on this one, they actually mean it. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so, you know, what can, what can you say about uh, Laugh-In? It's fantastic, iconic, yeah. uh, a time capsule for its period. And, and oddly, because, you know, these, these run on television all around all, all the yeah. time on some of the little odd channels around. Yeah. You, 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 you look over at the television, you see laugh as you, you hear a joke, and you think to yourself, That joke could be told today. Yep. You change a a noun here or there, and that joke is just as funny, just as relevant, and, 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 you know.
1: And as we have talked about, Laugh-In inspired a lot of other television It inspired a lot of variety shows. It inspired Hee Haw. Yeah. Hee Haw came about specifically because of Laugh-In, because a bunch of country folk and hicks and rednecks down in Tennessee and Alabama said... We could make that show for our people. Yeah. And they did. And they made Hee haw Yeah. And
0: it was there fantastic, by the way. They grew up in the Midwest. I was a big old Hee haw fan. Yep. Yeah. The complete six seasons. Six TV. 24 episodes. Everybody out oh, there. Look, you got Lily Tomlin. You got everybody that you can possibly think of it was on this season of Laugh-In.
1: Uh, yep. the, uh, the very wonderful show from Acorn TV, a uh, British show. Uh, The Good Karma Hospital series two is out on Blu-ray, and uh, this continues to be a really good show. Season two is even better. This is all about a uh, this is a UK show that deals with a rural Indian hospital, and uh, it's it you know I guess you could say it's like uh, it's uh, uh, what would you how would you put this? It's not really Grey's Anatomy-ish, but it's kind of like somewhere between uh, Grey's Anatomy. You know what this is. This is uh, the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel with a Hospital. Ah. There you go. Yeah. With a little dash you. of, of Grey's Anatomy or something. But uh, really great cast. That's why you watch this. It's a tremendous cast. Uh, Amrita Acharya, who's been seen previously in Game of Thrones, uh, it plays a uh, transplant doctor and is just absolutely tremendous. Uh, so is Amanda Redman and uh, Philip Jackson. These are all just really, really fine, uh, fine actors, and they make for a great cast, and it's really sharp writing. And uh, it's just a wonderful backdrop, too. So uh, a tremendous show.
0: Gr- even better in its series, too. And uh, definitely check it out. Neil Morrissey, also in the cast. Uh, fantastic. Adventure Time, the final season. Uh, so Adventure Time. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, this, this uh, cartoon. It's about this boy, his brother, and his best friend, and their dog. And they have adventures. Nice. Uh, protecting the land of ooh, or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and this is fantastic. So um, uh, if you've been watching this, you'll love this. All kinds of exclusive extras uh, dedicated to this. Adventure Time, the final Seasons.
1: And bull. Oh, Bull, the last one, yeah. Yeah,
0: Bull. Uh, uh, season two of Bull. You know what? Uh, another show that I, you know, I started with it. Checked it out. It yep. was interesting. A little bit too ordinary for me. I mean, I got to tell you, um, uh, CBS has a way of creating – they have a dynamic over at CBS. Sure. Uh, and, and I'm sure it sells, and I'm sure it, it, mm. it services their audience, but I haven't been a part of that dynamic for a while. Yeah. Is, they really live in a very particular zone. Uh, and this I don't particularly get. He's not a lawyer. He's a guy. He's like a psychologist or a psychiatrist, yep. and he's when he figures out what the psychology is, feels a little monkish a little mm-hmm. bit. He's quirky, yep. that kind of guy. Michael Weatherly's a charming fellow. Uh, so, season two of Bull uh, over an hour of special features on the DVD.
1: All right, and we're gonna hit up some more classic movies now, but more recent stuff and more mainstream stuff than culty. We got to give away. Uh, we're giving away two copies of the. 4K Ultra HD Jack Ryan Collection: Five films with a whole bunch of different Jack Ryan's. Mm. Uh, we got uh, The Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, Some of All Fears, and Jack Ryan: Shadow Recruit. Now, the thing is, Jack Ryan is now a television show.
0: Yeah, uh, Krasinski. John yeah, Krasinski. John Krasinski is yeah. the new Jack Ryan. They tried to They tried to reboot those movies with uh, with one of those uh, with the guy that plays Captain Kirk, also.
1: Oh yeah, well, Chris that, Pine. Chris Pine
0: is in is in Shadow Recruit. So yeah. he's on,
1: that that film is on this. That's that, the uh, that's the fifth of this. we didn't a couple, work. Couple of them with Harrison Ford. Um, one of them with Ben Affleck, who's in rehab again, and uh, the other one, of course, with uh, Alec Baldwin uh, in in uh, Hunt for Red October. So uh, all the Jack Ryan's uh, except for the TV series, which is new on. Is it what is it? It's not Netflix. It's
0: on, uh, uh, who, I, actually, Is it a Hulu I, show? I think it might be a Hulu show. It's a streaming show. Maybe even Amazon. show. It's one of the
1: streamers. We'll find it. Anyway, so uh, they've, they've uh, 4K'd this whole thing up, and obviously some of these are better than the others. The, the, the two Harrison Ford films, Patriot Games, The Clear and Present Danger, those are the far and away the best of this. Uh, they, those, it doesn't even come close. Uh, but you, there's other good stuff here. The Hunt for Red October, directed by John McTiernan, who also uh, furnishes the commentary. And then there's uh, a bunch of extras on that. That's really, really good. And most of the extras here are on the uh, the two that are least interesting to me, which is Some of All Fairs, the Ben Affleck one, and then the uh, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Tons and tons of special features on that, including a uh, commentary by Kenneth Branagh, who directed it. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's all, that's all fun and fine and well. So, look, we're giving away two copies of this. Uh, if you're if you're a fan of the of the books, you, you got to have this. It's just a lot yeah. of different ways to slice and dice Jack Ryan, and the 4K transfers are superb. War- uh, Paramount did a fantastic job with this and uh, really really pulled out all the stops. So uh, and by the way, here's what's also interesting. A little little tidbit. Um, the ratings of these films. Hunt for October is rated PG. Uh, the Clear and Present Danger, Some of All Fears, and Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit are all PG-13. Mm. Patriot Games. Rated R.
0: Interesting.
1: And Patriot Games is the best of all of all the movies, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. That's where you get to actually be really Jack Ryan. So uh, just send us an email to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com, either one, and put Ryan, R-Y-A-N, in the subject line. Put your name and address in the body of the email, and uh, make sure it gets to us by September 10th. September 10th. You're going to have a good long time to... uh, to get this going, September 10th. And uh, we will pick a couple of very lucky winners and have Paramount make you very happy. So that is Jack Ryan, Five Film Collection. Uh, Email to gods at digigods or gods at cinegods.com with uh, Ryan in the subject line and name and address in the body of the email. Uh, A
0: couple of movies? Yes.
1: Uh, Bound. Now, Uh, here's an interesting thing about Bound. We should point out, anybody who's buying Bound, don't pay attention to the extras. There's a misprint on it. Oh, really? So, yeah, there's a misprint on the extras. Uh, so, yeah, good That's
0: just about to go through yeah. a number
1: of things identified yeah, here. Yeah, so the, 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 the extras are a little more, a little bit more bare-bones there. So there's, uh, you're basically getting this for
0: the fact that Bound is on Blu-ray. Bound on Blu-ray. which Yeah, look, by Bound for Bound. It's a 1996 this movie. Yeah. Uh, Lily and Lana Wachowski, the yep. Wachowski, then known as the Wachowski. You know, it's been so long uh, that I've actually forgotten what their names were before d- Lily and Lana
1: I just I just know what I just know Wachowski.
0: Yeah, know yeah it's, it's, I don't yeah. even go
1: I don't even go I just say the Wachowski. The Wach- yeah I, you know whatever you want to be that's fine. I'm just going to refer to you in the plural by your name and, and be what you're going to be. There goes the Wachowski. Yeah.
0: This, the, it, odd that this was a groundbreaking LGBTQ cinema at the time. Yeah. All of the, well, we didn't uh, nobody know it. Nobody knew. <laughs> you know, they, nobody knew. Apparently, the brothers knew. didn't know it. Or the sisters didn't even know it. Yeah. Not then. Or if they did, they, they weren't telling anybody. This movie was just absolutely brilliant. Intense. It is, it is amazing. Uh, uh, Gina Gerson uh, uh, in the movie. Jennifer Tilly in the movie. Joe Pant- Joey Pants in the movie. Uh, uh, just a, just a, Just a tight little... Almost one room thriller. See, that's what was amazing, and I'm and, and I remember at the time this was
1: around the same time that you wrote Bad Guys, yeah. which which got made and, yeah. and won some awards at the uh, the Beverly Hills Film Festival, and I remember we talked about this relative yep. to what you were doing yeah. in Bad Guys that yeah. it was a great example of how to make a movie that that is claustrophobic in a very limited space, but open it up yeah. in the way that it's written yeah. so it doesn't feel like it. Like if people think back on Bound. Y- and you go, it mostly takes place basically in the same two rooms. Yeah. You're like, No it doesn't. It's got well, wait a
0: minute. And you have to think twice about yeah, it. Yes, that's mostly in those two and it's the stories they tell. And of course Quentin yeah he you know, he he figured that out a little bit before sure. and the brothers stuff it's so yeah. good stuff. Uh, and, by the way, just one of the sexiest damn movies ever made. Yeah, it really it is. Really, really is. I always loved uh, Tucker, A Man in His Dream from yep. Francis Ford Couple. I always thought this was a fantastic film about a wonderful story. Yeah. So beautifully shot and uh, uh, produced. It felt like a film of the era that it was from, which is in the 30s and 40s. But it felt like it was a film set there. And, you know, in, in this story, particularly this is 1988, uh, kind of, you know, right before the people like Steve Jobs and you know, these sure. sort of big s- folks started to happen, uh, right out on up to what's uh, Tesla Boy over yeah, there, yeah yeah, 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 Musk, Elon Musk. Yeah, and this is the story of those kinds of guys only sixty years ago. Yep. Uh, it, who didn't quite make it yep uh, but you know we drive around in cars when you drive around in cars now a lot of what's happening on the car that you're driving now is stuff that this dude thought of
1: it, 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 not airbags but seatbelts seat belts, seat belts and, uh, uh, tracking
0: headlights all yeah. kinds of stuff right audio stuff. commentary from For- Francis Ford Copeland an introduction deleted scenes uh, features now this
1: is the first time this has been on uh, something other than DVD now they sent us the blu-ray yeah this is also out on 4k. They have not yet sent us the 4K. Oh, I'm insisting on the 4K because this is Vittorio Storaro yeah. who shot the living daylights out of this thing. And it's really, it's almost over-photographed. So um, we really want to check out the uh, what 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 Storaro's cinematography looks like yeah. in 4K on this. Yeah, so I mean, we're, it, we're it, waiting it, on that. It was
0: a romantic period, and this film captured that romanticism. It did. Yeah, so beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah. Great music, by the way. Oh, yeah. By Joe... Uh, um, yeah, the, uh, the the stepping out guy.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah the, the piano guy.
1: Yeah. What's his name? Why can I not think of his name? Exactly it's so right here, annoying. Uh, hold on. Bear with me. Uh, Joe Jackson. Thank you. Yeah, Joe Jackson. It's really it's just a cool kind of jazzy period score. It's really great. All right. I'm going to hit a few here from uh, Twilight Time and the Warner Archive Collection. Twilight Time. Go to twilighttimemovies.com to get your fix on these. Um, we have some. This is a great quartet this month. I mean, a great quartet. Uh, a little bit of uh, the, a little bit of cult, a little bit of familiar, a little bit of odd. Uh, all of it really, really worth checking out. The Hot Rock. Uh, this is and um, remember, these are limited uh, editions, so they only make about five thousand of these, and you got to get it while you get it, and it, when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, Peter Yates, one of the great directors of actors, made uh, The Hot Rock in nineteen seventy-two, which is this cool caper movie. That precedes the Sting, which came out the following year, mm-hmm. and for my money, actually has a better performance by Robert Redford. Uh, but as a as a kind of a caper heist movie at a time when there were a lot of these, you know, taking a Pelham one two three and the uh, the Brinks job, and you know, there were there were a lot of these in the in the mix at the time. The uh, uh, the Italian job, right? Mm-hmm. There were there were a lot of these that were kind of getting made, a lot of heisty movies, and uh, the Hot Rock really is the most interesting because it's such a bizarre and offbeat uh, take on it. And the subject of this is the Sahara Stone. And to appreciate why this thing is so unusual and why it, it invites such an unusual collection of characters to, uh, to chase it, you know, you've got Zero Mostel and Moses Gunn and uh, and Robert Redford and George Segal and Paul Sand I mean this is just a, a a really fascinating collection of people a great cast and such an interesting movie the way it's put together with a terrific terrific screenplay by William Goldman yeah. who you know was a god then and is a god now John Cassavetti's Gloria starring yes. his uh, his wife Jenna Rollins yes. uh, on Blu-ray right, what more can you say about this I mean it's it's just uh, they they remade this it was about 84 uh, this was 1980. 80, yeah. Yep, yeah 1980. Yeah. This is kind of Cassavetti's getting it all together. It is, uh, it's arguably his most commercial film, his most well known film. It's not, you know, very fringy, like faces and a lot of those yeah. other things he made just with. Killing of a Chinese bookie and yeah, all, that. all Yeah, all the stuff he made with like five people yeah. and a and a buck fifty. more castle and people. Uh, but uh, you know, the, the, really, this got an Oscar nomination for Jenna Rollins, very deservedly. And uh, it's a uh, it, it's a it's a wonderful character study. It's a wonderfully written film. It has a great score by Bill Conti, which is available here as an isolated track.
0: Female and, lead, uh,
1: tremendous. You I know, mean, it's she, just it's the role that she will always be known for. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They remade it with uh, Sharon Stone. Yeah, middle 90s, ninety Sharon something like that. Yeah, mm.
1: not not as good. Yeah, not yeah. as good. Kind of like the uh, kind of like the, the the problems with uh, Papillon. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, And then a really kind of unusual movie from left field, The Virgin Soldiers, which was made in uh, 1969. And uh, this is all, uh, this takes place, made in 1969, but takes place in 1950 during the Malayan emergency. And uh, if you're like me, you're like, I don't really know what the Malayan emergency was. Uh, You will learn. It is a significant piece of history uh, from Southeast Asia that uh, coincides with a moment during the Vietnam War. And uh, it's kind of fallen between the cracks. And it's a really important piece of history. And the way that it is, uh, the way that 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 plays a part in this story, which is very much kind of in the vein of, I want to say, Catch-22, MASH, those kinds of absurdist Mm -hmm. military comedies that aren't quite comedies or using comedy to make a more serious statement. This does a little bit of that, too. Uh, really, uh, really fascinating movie that just kind of comes from left field. Great cast, including Lynn Redgrave and Nigel Davenport. Uh, I mean, it's a this is a you know Carl Foreman uh, wrote this was an executive producer and uh, and and, and uh, I'm going to assume had something to do with the screenplay as well. Uh, but uh, check it out, the Virgin Soldiers. Really, really interesting movie from. Uh, from 1969, and then lastly, Brandon Lee, the late Brandon Lee, in Powers Booth in Rapid Fire, which uh. I would not have I would not have expected to be a, uh, a twilight time release, because um, you know, I didn't think the movie was all that good in 1992. Uh, but uh, you know what? It kind of it, it dates well. It's it's sort of iconic of its period, and um, Brandon Lee is is a real loss. Uh, much better better actor, I think, than we gave him credit for at the time. Basically, a straight-up kind of a police film from the era, with Powers Booth as a kind of a tough lieutenant who re- recruits uh, this art student uh, played by Jason Lee, and you know it, it gets into a lot of that uh, kind of uh, that uh, lethal weapony territory, but you know, sort of like a secondary lethal weapon. But nonetheless, it's a, it's a good movie to resurrect from the era. Rapid
0: Fire, indeed, 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 indeed. Uh, a couple over here. Yep. Uh, a Walking Tall, uh, Dwayne Johnson when he still had a little bit of hair. Yeah, just a little, just a little sheen uh, of of hair. Two thousand and four, this film. Johnny no- uh, Johnny Knoxville uh, also in it. Um, uh, you know, more or less a remake of the uh, nineteen seventy three Jonan Baker film. Uh, Buford Pusser, uh, more or less. Uh, uh, I to, just one, I one just might lo- say. I,
1: I love Walking Tall. I don't care who plays Buford Pusser. I, I really don't both both was fine uh, you know uh, Dwayne Johnson's fine well, you know technically he's not Baker he's, he's they're not really good.
0: even playing Buford Puster in this movie he's playing this other guy but it's, it's, yeah. it's the same name and they do all the same stuff so yeah. you know what the hell go ahead and do it anyway I, this this movie was was you know i probably he looks so young in this movie this this 2004 i know he looks like a baby
1: i know who had right? been
0: you know breaking people up saw him in an episode of star trek uh i think maybe voyager yeah uh, yeah. the other day. Yeah. You uh, look like he was 19 years yeah. old. It was Crazy, just fantastic. Right? Anyway, Thailand, Terry Gilliam film. Terry Gilliam used to be one of my favorite filmmakers on the planet. And they started going loopy. uh... you know, with yeah. the 12 monkeys and all that. This yeah. is this is this is this is an intense movie. I'll give him that. Thailand's a movie uh about a um, a rocker, uh, a family and they're drug addicts and they're just this terrible terrible junkies and they have this daughter. Uh, somebody dies, the father takes the daughter, goes off to this uh, sort of a decrepit estate uh, that's uh, a part of his family, and, and he just keeps doing drugs, and his daughter has to figure out a way uh, to make a life for herself, and she more or less retreats into her, yeah. her fantasy land, which is where Terry Gilliam lives. And, uh, and
1: I wanted to like this movie so yeah, much. No. I did, but it just it doesn't come together
0: yeah, I mean, the guy from. Look, this is this is where Terry went uh, sideways to me when he stopped building things. Terry made all those. If you think about time bandits and you think about all Terry built things. Yeah. Uh, no CGI. Yeah. Uh, he would build a giant this and a giant that and, yeah. and, and cause you know all that kind of Terry built things. Then there came a moment in the middle two thousands or so when everybody was doing CGI everything and Terry started doing CGI. And, yeah. and No, Terry Gilliam is a guy yeah. who builds things. Yeah. Uh, CGI. The, no. The, the, what,
1: makes, what makes Brazil so enthralling. Is that there is no CGI and all of that all of that stuff with the giant samurai yeah. where, he, where where Jonathan Price is fighting the giant samurai and his you know his armor with the wings. The reason that is so amazing is because he's doing the same thing there that he did in Time Bandits, mm-hmm. which is he's playing with perspective and forced perspective and all those old silent era camera tricks. Mm-hmm. If you watch Brazil really closely. That's a little person yes. playing uh, Jonathan Price. He went and put a little person in armor so that a regular, an average-sized person in, dressed as a giant samurai, yeah. it would have this amazing
0: impact. You do that. You use a 24-millimeter lens. Uh, you mess with your depth of field. And, and you it's, crea- cheaper. And it's cheaper. And it's cheaper. And it's, it's, it's and it's all actually there. It's all actually in the room. Anyway, that's it. All right, before we get to new movies, uh, just a few uh, final ones.
1: First from the Warner Archive. Uh, we've got one DVD-R and then a couple of Blu-rays from the Warner Archive collection. And the, uh, the DVD-R is called Way Back Home. I had never heard of this, so I got it from him. I said, I've got to check this out. This is uh, utterly fascinating to me. What is this? Um, this is from Radio Pictures. It's now obviously in the uh, the Warner, uh, originally an RKO uh, production, but Radio Pictures was the production end of RKO. RKO mm-hmm. did um, did, the, did the distribution. That's how it was kind of broken up. So this was a Radio Pictures presentation, um, starring Seth Parker and his Jones Sport neighbors. Mm. Now I'm thinking, what? I don't. I, what is this? Yeah, I yeah. Okay, so Seth Parker was a radio figure. And this was one of those deals where somebody had become famous on radio, mm-hmm. and they decided we're gonna stick them in the movies and let people see them. We're gonna take that person that you listen to every week, mm-hmm. and we're gonna put them in, in a movie so that now you get to see what they look like, and you get to, we'll make you pay. And that, that was a, that's a thing that actually happened. It mostly happened going from radio to television, mm-hmm. like with Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. And very often, people who did movies would wind up on radio when the movies weren't paying the bills anymore. Yeah, and they were still doing a sort of narrative, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, but a few, in a few instances, you had radio personalities that jumped to the movies. Burns and Allen being a, yeah. a key example. Yep, yep. Uh, George Burns and Gracie Allen went from ra- radio personalities to making movies. And so for a moment, Seth Parker and his Jonesport neighbors were a thing. Uh, now this is uh, this guy Seth Parker is a, you, you got to Google him. He's a fascinating figure. I was totally una- unaware of him, um, but this is uh, basically just kind of rural American. Um, what would you say? This is uh, it's basically just sort of a, a almost a, like vaudeville in movies. Mm. It's a little bit of everything. And uh, all kind of the movie is an excuse just to have some songs and some bits. And, uh, you know, they kind of wrap it all together in a very uh, uh, haphazard way. But America at the time was still a mostly rural country. Mm -hmm. And that's why movies like this resonated then and don't necessarily resonate right now. What is also significant here, what makes this very interesting, is a very young Betty Davis, then under contract to Warner Brothers, shows up in this movie as well. And that's a, that's a, a, a wonderful little... Uh, link to uh, what would be a very, very prosperous future for Warner Brothers. So um, this, uh, this, this really is a kind of a neat little movie. Uh, it's called Way Back Home with this Seth Parker figure. And then the other two from Warner Archive, Frank Sinatra and Gina Lola Brigida in Never So Few, uh, which is a, a very nicely made, Edmund uh, Granger produced, John Sturges directed uh, Cinemascope Film that in that true World War II John Sturges thing. Now John Sturges, of course, did the uh, the Dirty Dozen, uh, or the Great Escape. Mm-hmm. The Great Escape. I always get those mixed up. Uh, did the Great Escape, and which is just beautiful all-star widescreen wartime filmmaking. And this is a little bit of the same thing. Uh, this is all takes place with uh, you know Steve McQueen's in this as well. Uh, this all takes place uh, in uh, World War II era Burma. And Sinatra is uh, leading these guerrilla fighters who are, you know, they got a mission to do, and there's a whole thing. So it, it feels a little bit in, like, that Dirty Dozen, Great Escape uh, vein. It definitely is. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, the real reason you're watching this is because Gina Lola Bridget is just so unbelievably gorgeous. Gina Lola gorgeous, Freaking gorgeous beyond all belief. Um, also from the on Blu-ray from the Warner Archive Collection is uh, Home from the Hill with Robert Mitchum and Eleanor Parker and a great supporting cast that includes George Hamilton and George Pappard uh, and Everett Sloan. Really fun stuff. Um, a very unusual directing effort for Vincent Minnelli, um, you know, who's not typically known for, for like melodramas. He's known for, for musicals. Um, but this is basically a melodrama and uh, takes place in the, the backwoods of Texas and uh, Robert Mitchum and uh, Eleanor Parker are doing that thing that you know you normally expect John Wayne to do with uh, any number of other actresses. Uh, it's good. It it and again it appeals primarily to a rural audience. But uh, Mitchum just cuts a huge figure. It's beautiful cinematography and based on a novel. If you've read the novel by William Humphrey, so uh, really really nice movie. And then the last two before we get into a handful of new movies. Um, are merrily we live uh which is an old hal roach movie this is from classic flicks classic flicks uh dot is where you would go to check this out constance bennett brian Ahern, uh a an absolutely lovely uh screwball comedy romantic comedy that um that really kind of has fallen between the cracks a little bit made in 1938 beautiful black and white photography and uh, really terrific, tight direction from Norman Z. McLeod, who was a good uh, workman-like director at the time. Uh, Constance Bennett is kind of a a lost treasure in many respects. I wish she had had a bigger and longer career because she's just so delightful. Yeah. Kind of in that uh, that Irene Dunn way. I just really really enjoy it. Uh, th- this is a if you like things like bringing up baby. If you like stuff like the Thin Man, you will absolutely adore this. Uh, Brian Ahern, Ahern and Constance Bennett in Merrily We Live from 1938. And then lastly, uh, The Great Louis Milestone, who made All Quiet on the Western Front, one of the early Oscar winners for Best Picture. Um, In 1928, right about the same time, he made The Garden of Eden, which is a romantic comedy, totally uncharacteristic of the other stuff that he was doing at the time. And uh, this is uh, coming out to us from Flickr Alley. You should definitely check this out. Uh, This is a uh, a, a real fascinating chunk of film history, beautifully made. And it has some great extras on it, including Hollywood, The Unusual, which is a 10-minute travelogue of Los Angeles from 1927. And then uh, production stills and the original digital press book. Really, really terrific. From Flickr Alley, The Garden of Eden by Lewis Milestone. And that is a Blu-ray manufacturer-on-demand release, M-O-D. So you've oh. got to go to, uh, go to flickrally.com for that
0: one. Love that.
1: Uh, new couple movies a couple of new movies yeah Hereditary.
0: everybody was everybody just loved this movie this uh, horror movie from Tony Collette yeah uh uh Ari Aster film uh is it's I'm you know, not going to talk about it is it, it the, all. is it that scary it is very it's okay. it's, it's a modern day horror masterpiece okay. in terms of that uh, it absolutely is it's, it's it's a no kidding around uh going to get in your head kind of movie it's about a family uh and uh in in this home that they live in and what's going on there this has all kinds of special features on it a few special features on it including some deleted scenes uh which I wish I had watched uh <laughs> because I can't imagine what else could be there. Tony Collette absolutely extraordinary uh in this film. You know, think about her sure. this and you got to take her all the way back to uh the great horror film uh Bruce Willis and uh, sure. uh the Sixth Sense. Yep. Yeah. 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 She's great at that. Uh at the other end of the spectrum, Johnny Knoxville doing that Johnny Knoxville thing uh and uh Action Point. Which is about a guy who builds his own theme park. A uh, dangerous theme park <laughs> that, where children could possibly be killed. No! Uh, lovely. You know, Johnny Knoxville yeah. doing that thing. Uh, uh, we're talking
1: about that on Film Week today, too. Uh, talking about uh, Bloodfest, uh-huh. which should not be confused with Hellfest, uh-huh. which is basically the same movie coming out in four weeks. A <laughs> little bit tired of it. Theme A little bar- bit tired park. of this, too. Jurassic bad. Park did that. Stop doing it, people. Yeah, cut Just it out, don't cut go it there.
0: Out. Johnny Knoxville, I've been, you know, I've, been, I've been ragging on this guy for 20 years now. Yeah. He, he can buy and sell me, so I should shut up. And then the uh, the last two we're going to cover this week. Uh, the
1: first one is adrift which is a kind of a boilerplate movie with Shailene Woodley and Sam Claflin about a couple of people this you know this this guy and this gal they have to, they they fall in love
0: loosely based on a true story loosely
1: based on a true story they fall in love so they go out on a boat for a a, a, a 4 hour cruise uh-oh <laughs> uh-oh a 4 hour tour cruise. yeah well yeah what what happens is they run into a hurricane yeah uh, and their and their tiny boat was tossed and next thing you know Damn it, they're there with the, with the skipper and uh, yeah. the movie star and yeah. the, the, Mary the millionaire Anne. and his wife. I remember Marianne. No, Anne. it doesn't. It's like, it's like Gilligan's Island without no. an island without comedy. Um, but it's a survival tale. Yeah. It's nice to have two people as opposed to Robert Redford in a boat. Yeah. Um, or, or uh, you know. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, all is lost. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah Well, know. look,
0: that, that movie has Shailene Woodley in it. Which, so is the, which frankly, is the that's plus. the only thing that I really care about. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. It's yeah. well
1: done. Yeah. It's touching. And Shailene Woodley is great. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't break new ground or anything, but it's, yeah. it's fine. And then lastly, we're going to say a few things about Deadpool 2, Yeah, which is on 4K Ultra HD, which uh, was a bit of a controversial thing because there was a fallout between uh, Ryan and the director after the first film. They wanted to go in this direction and that direction. I just want to say I don't care what the fallout was. This movie is funny as hell. Yeah,
0: funnier than the first movie.
1: Funnier than the first movie. A lot funnier.
0: I like it most because uh, uh, Zazie, who they put on the box on
1: top of him on top,
0: and 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 that is the the thing that makes that movie work. The movie is that she 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 kills is, it she kills it in that movie and she's he, the star of the movie he
1: is unafraid to let to her let be her the have star it, to let her she, be the star of the movie uh, just so you understand she has a super like he puts a ragtag team of, of people <laughs> Domino, together she plays Domino she plays Domino a ragtag team of people together who are presumably going to be his version of the Avengers yeah. doesn't quite work out that <laughs> no. way some of them <laughs> some of them are better than others some survive better than others but she is the one that you're laughing at at first you're like yeah right what's her
0: superpower I'm lucky
1: Yeah, that's not a superpower. Yes, Yes, it is. is. No, it isn't. Yes, Yes, it it is. is. (laughs) And when you find out how super she is, it it just owns the movie. Awesome. Owns the movie. And, uh, you know, the other nice thing is that even though this comes from uh, 20th Century Fox, which is now part of Disney, so it's not quite as funny, but they're very, very aware of the fact that... um, that Josh Brolin is is about to be in the Avengers in the movie as a exactly, villain. Yeah. And he's kind of a villain here too. Yeah. And there are some cheeky, you know, elbows <laughs> because these movies were released about two or three yeah. weeks apart. So knowing that going in, that joke doesn't work quite as well yeah. now that Infinity War came out right about the same time. And yeah. you know they the anyway, timing's not as good on, on home entertainment. But first time in a theater, that's what it does have. Lots of extras here. Uh, the 4K Ultra HD looks tremendous. The gag reel is hilarious. The deleted and extra scenes. Uh, are just that terrific. All the stuff on here is worth watching. And the audio commentary with Ryan Reynolds and David Leitch, uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Weir, uh, Wern, uh, Wernick is terrific. Uh, that's only on the theatrical version, not on the extended version, mm-hmm. so just know that. But otherwise, everything on here is worth listening to, watching again and again and again. It's hilarious. Yes. Great stuff. So with that, we are done for this week, and uh, we will see you guys next week. we